Hare Krishna. Welcome to Sankirtan On. I'm your host, Katamrita, and this is my wonderful guest, Gita Govinda. Um, Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. So Gita Govinda, she is from Canada originally, actually originally probably spiritual world, but... <laughs> Um, uh, she grew up born and raised in, was it Mississauga, Ontario? Yeah. Wow. Good. Morning. Okay. Yeah. She's got her doctors of psychology. So she's been working across <laughs> numerous continents, teaching psychology at universities. And now she's, um, doing clinical psychology. Um, so thank you so much for coming and, um, being with us. Um, thank of you course, so much for inviting us. The most glorious thing about Gita Govinda is that she is a Sankirtan devotee. Um, <laughs> Try to. And today, <laughs> and today we're going to dig into the psychology of Gita Govinda, what keeps her going and what keeps her inspired on books. Oh, well, the short answer is it's the Association of Devotees. <laughs> oh, <laughs> like cool. you. That's the best answer. Um, just to start, you could tell us a bit about, I guess, um, your story, you know, coming to Krishna consciousness or, you know, how you met devotees and a bit about yourself, if you'd like. Yeah, sure. Thank you so much. So I came to Krishna consciousness, as you mentioned, um, I was working as a psychologist in Toronto and... I was really like at the height of my career, you could say, or I would like just finish school and was kind of like, you know, you got the, you got the job, I got the job, <laughs> got the like nice place. And then I was just like, oh, there's something really missing in, in my life. Like I, I got that realization that I worked so hard, but it wasn't fulfilling. <laughs> so I decided just so that everyone knows when she says nice place, it's like, we're talking Bay street, Toronto with like the doorman and everything, <laughs> like the whole works. Yes. On the outside, everything looked like really immaculate, but I was just like, Oh, this isn't fulfilling. This isn't satisfying. Um, so I was trying to think what is something that's made me happy in the past. And I used to do yoga. So I thought, let me pursue yoga a bit more like the physical yoga yoga postures like asanas that kind of thing so um I decided if I'm going to do yoga teacher training I need to go to the motherland <laughs> so I'll go to okay. India and um yeah it was a big kind of jump I just left right in the middle of my job I just kind of abruptly was like I need to do this for myself and I went and I went to India I was in Rishikesh didn't know anything about Krishna consciousness not really interested in the philosophy just needing to like relax my mind and do you know yoga but while I was there it just so happened that um uh, Radhanath Maharaj he came and did a program at the last day of the, this yoga training, you know, because he is, he's so merciful. He goes everywhere. So this was pretty much like an impersonalist um, ashram. And they were teaching like kind of an impersonalist philosophy. And It's like a devotee's dream come true to like just happen to be in a yoga teacher <laughs> training center where Radha Swamiraj just happens to stop by. Yeah, it was but out like of this because- world. It's crazy because you didn't even plan on that happening. And I'm sure there's so many devotees around the world who are just aspiring to get, you know, just a glimpse of Maharaj and some of his association. You're just like, I think I'll go to India. And you just happen to go to an ashram where Radha Swami Maharaj is like. I know. Yeah. It was really crazy. And yeah, not knowing who he was, but just his persona right away struck me. He walked, as soon as he walked into the room, he's, he's so, um, he has so much humility that just looking at him, I just knew this is not a regular person. I was so curious about him and he gave a really nice talk and he did a very, um, uproarious kirtan. Like he had four Murdunga players there and he just, you know, we were all jumping up and down, chanting Hare Krishna, even though wow. I didn't know what the mantra was. So <laughs> yeah, that was pretty much my introduction was through kirtan. I was like, wow, I love this and I need to continue this in my life. So after that, I came back home to Toronto, where you and I met, and um, you were actually, I think, the first one of the first devotee that I met when I walked into Bhakti Lounge. But literally the next day after coming back from India, I looked up Kirtan Toronto, which ended up being the Bhakti Lounge, and I yeah. walked in, and I was, um, I think I asked you 
do you guys have a Bhagavad Gita or something like that? Because they had been speaking about Bhagavad Gita, but didn't provide us with, you know, any. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so that's how I got into it. And then you guys, all the devotees at the Bhakti Lounge so lovingly cultivated me. I just remember getting fed heaps of, you know, prashadam. Um, Gita Govinda was addicted to halava. Yeah. For sure. Yes. <laughs> that definitely stole my heart and um yeah just just the power the first time i saw you eat it you were like what is this <laughs> <laughs> too much bhakti in that halava such a yeah. baby probably mm. such a baby's halava yes yeah so that was how i kind of met devotees and then basically it was just from there, I think I think within the first month or two that I w- was coming to Bhakti Lounge, we had a lot of visitors come through Bhakti Lounge, like Navita Nirda Prabhu came. He oh, took yeah. us out on Sankirtan, if you remember that. And um, yeah, um, Devamrita Maharaj came and he did his university tour. We had um, Lakshmi Moni Mataji also came and did a talk. So I was just like, wow, I had gotten, was getting Amazing. so much mercy from all of yeah from all of these devotees so i think that's really like um what gave me that taste right at the beginning of the association of all the devotees oh my gosh yeah that was such a good time and uh yeah i mean when you were able to go out um with these like really i mean i think vaisheshika prabhu himself was coming and giving us you know door-to-door tips on sankirtan and breathing mm. I wasn't was, there for that. I had just missed that, but I remember uh, that you were all talking about that. Yeah. Oh, uh, so yeah, um, yeah, just getting the association of um, exalted devotees and you know being out on books with them, like Navita Nirada Prabhu, and um, yeah, I remember that was like the first person who I think introduced us to the concept of stacks. Mm. Like he would just give an entire stack of books to somebody on the street and be like a Bhagavatam, like Canto Five. He made it look so easy, didn't he? He just made yeah. it look so easy. We're like, wow, this can be done. Yeah, that was really inspiring. I remember that I had maybe been practicing a, a week or two, and he had he came and he took us all out, and it was just like so fun, you know, being out and just you know watching him and then being with all of you. It was such like. It was like we we're all friends going out and just having a good time. I think that's how I got the taste for saying Kirtan, like for doing book distribution, is because um, yourself, um, Amala Puran, and some of the other devotees that were there, we just made it into such a, and it was fun. It wasn't stressful or it wasn't like pressure or anything like that. It was just we would be laughing and just like talking to people and trying to make friends on the street, which is, you know, what Vaisheshik Prabhu always says, you know, try to make friends, don't try to sell the book. So, yeah, I really And also like we were making friends with each other through that service. Like that was actually mm-hmm. our form of sort of going out. It was like, you know, sometimes, you know, friends they go to the movies or let's go here, let's go there, I don't <laughs> know, let's go to the beach. And we were like, let's go on Sankirtan and like talk try to talk to people about this <laughs> our philosophy. And yeah. I remember we would have so many hilarious stories of like, you know, just trying to reach people or just trying to talk to them. But we would turn around and be like, Do you know what that person just said to me? But it wasn't like we wouldn't take it so much to heart. You know, it was almost expected that we would come against obstacles, but the obstacles mm-hmm. became kind of like hilarious to us. And the shared joy of being like sort of beaten by people or yeah. you know, whipped around by the modes of material nature became like <laughs> yeah. a source of comedy. Definitely. Yeah. I remember, well, we were lucky because we lived right near the ashram was right near Dunda square, which is like, the center of the city so like the hot spot of the city Eaton center where everyone would hang out so um yeah like you said it would be like a fun outing and yeah I remember on one occasion um when I was trying to distribute books then you know as happens sometimes people can be a bit rude or if they're not interested and initially as a new devotee like having that for the first time it can be really shaking and really shocking and I remember that I was quite taken aback by that just getting like something negative but just having other devotees with you I remember specifically coming to speak to you actually and I was like oh this person just said this to me and you kind of just laughed it off and you were like like it helped me to digest that experience having 
the devotees around like like you're saying like um through friendship you can actually withstand those austerities of book distribution I think that I've just found it hilarious because I mean naturally I was really drawn to you in friendship and because you know we're a similar age and I always looked up to you because you're such a um hard-working you know professional and you're very intelligent and so I was thinking like wow like such a wonderful like snatch for Krishna like to get this person to be a devotee of Krishna <laughs> and so when we were out on books I just found it like astounding because here is this bright young woman, beautiful psychologist who these people would be paying like, I don't know, 170 bucks an hour to go and talk to an office. <laughs> and here she is standing on the street, just freely giving, you know, her expertise, her knowledge, all of her um, heart. And they're sort of like, shut up, you, why don't you get a job? And I'm like, she has a job. She's actually giving up her job. Like it was just insane to me. So I think that was the thing that really stuck out because, and I hope that this really, I hope that this example helps anyone who hasn't went to university, hasn't like gotten like their PhD or something, but even when somebody has, it's like they're out on the street being abused by people because actually people, um, are so under the modes of material nature, are so covered over, we've actually pretty much lost our humanity. So even in terms of just how we treat one another and how we treat other individuals that we don't know, it's sad, but it seems like people just hold one another in like the lowest respect. Like, unless you mm. prove yourself, unless you show them your piece of paper with your degree, like, I don't mm. know, unless you have your fancy office. No one mm. has the respect of just opening up an ear and seeing, does this person have knowledge? And I think that that really goes to show it's because people don't have anything to weigh knowledge against. So when you have Bhagavad Gita and you've read it and you actually can feel like this is real knowledge, this isn't going to change tomorrow. This isn't going to change in a hundred years. This hasn't changed in a millennia. So then you have something to hold knowledge against. And when you listen to somebody you can hear whether or not they're kind of attuned with that knowledge. Mm. But most people are so far away from it. Then even if they're standing next to somebody who is not only materially extremely knowledgeable and successful, but spiritually has a great source of knowledge and is connected to parampara, they wouldn't even know it because like they're so, their mm. ears are so plugged up. Um, yes. So it takes a long time to like, I think come to the point where you feel I guess a sense of detachment and that like, this isn't about me at all. You know, what people mm. say to me on the street, it's not about me. The, you know, even the fact that I can or can't give a book isn't about me. It's just, it's really about mm. the fact that this is, um, it's a, a challenging service, but one that if you look at through this lens, I think can bring mm. so much joy because when you do actually get through to somebody, like they'll cry to you on the street. They'll tell you personal issues that they've had. And yeah, it's mm. just crazy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That reminds me of, um, like a couple points that you brought up. It's really important. I think like as principles of book distribution, like <clears throat> one just being that it does build character. And then I know Vaisheshika Prabhu talks about this. That's why he takes young kids out, you know, when they do their door to door with families, but it does build character. Like you were saying, <clears throat> detachment from our material designations. Like you're saying, you know, I thought I'm a psychologist or I'm a professional. Someone else might think I'm a this, I'm a that. But as you engage in St. Kirtan, you're just spreading Krishna's message. You're not depending on those designations or you're not depending or even wanting people to appreciate those designations because you're just wanting them to appreciate Krishna by giving them the book. So it automatically teaches you that detachment as you continue with the service. Mm -hmm. So that was a nice point that what you said reminded me of that. And then it also builds like, I remember having a really striking experience with the feeling of rejection. I think that personally, it also removes some anarthas from our heart because I think personally <laughs> it was hard. Yeah, like, of course it does. But I had this experience where I was getting so much rejection. And at first I felt like quite embarrassed or I was kind of like feeling burdened by all those rejections. But then as I, I was just like continuing because, you know, I have, I'm doing this service. So you kind of become detached from that. And then you, you realize that I can not be, you actually become detached from that feeling of rejection. And it actually 
kind of spills into your life in general. So that when you're having interactions with devotees or just maybe when you're going to work, you're actually less sensitive to perceptions of rejection, almost kind of thing. Like you become stronger, more confident. So I think it's an amazing, you know, you service that example? helps develop personal qualities. Could you give it, a, like, I don't know if you can, you know, maybe recollect something, but mm. I just thought that was such a wonderful point. Um, about how like it can spill over into other aspects of your service or your mm. life or your relationships like this I like that you said the perception of rejection and yeah. I think that's a really important thing because it really is a perception and like I was saying before like when you feel this has nothing to do with me yeah whether you know, the fact that I can even be out on the street and in contact with these books is my own you know success in a sense yeah, my own so like feel- fortunate to be. Yeah. Yeah. So mm. just the fact that I can even do this is sort yes. of like my victory in a, in a way. So then the perception of that of you being rejected is almost like a complete illusion. Yeah, exactly. And then the other side of it is when you said something earlier, it reminded me of like this aspect of compassion also that that develops because there is a danger that we we can become a little bit bitter sometimes, right? If you think like oh, these people, you know, these people out there, they're not appreciating me or what I have to offer, right? So it's nice when you have a mentor, you have devotees around you that are reminding you to um, reconnect with that attitude or mood of compassion. Like actually people are suffering. So that's why they're being rude to me or that's why they're quote unquote rejecting me, you know? So instead of I mean, most people... Sorry, but most people, like, when you say, like, hi, excuse me, um, would you, are you interested in, like, meditation, yoga, or, you know, or even you just try to say, like, hey, I like your hat, and I think they just, like, brush you off completely. Um, it's funny, because when they say something like, I'm not interested, I often, I will say back to them, you don't know what you're not interested in. I haven't mm-hmm. said anything of, of substance yet. Mm. you are rejecting something that you don't even know you haven't even considered Mm. so I mean it's sad because we are in a society where people are so um jaded from being sold things and cheated right and constantly bombarded by the advertisements and marketing like you need this you need that and I think that when we say like this will really help you they'll be like I've heard that before (laughs) yes Definitely. I think that when you think about that context of our society, you can't blame them. Right. But we have to be careful as devotees, as Sankirtan devotees, to not get affected by that. Because I think that that, that's when you can start to like um, get lose your enthusiasm for book distribution. If you, because it happens, you know, like even sometimes when you're on a marathon and you're going out every day for like eight hours or more a day and it's like winter and it's austere. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then you're getting those rejections sometimes. And sometimes this can happen. I've had this experience where if you're attached to a goal too, then you can start to think like, I need to get a certain number of books out. And then when people don't take the book, you can become kind of hard-hearted resentful. <laughs> yeah. yeah resentful or just negative angry like all those things come up it's great that we see those things because then that's also cleansing the heart but we have to when that happens we have to really reflect and be like okay you know um what am I trying to do and then that's where like reading Sheila Prabhupada's books really <laughs> comes in handy if we're going to distribute the books we need to read the books because then when we read then we're reminded of why why um there's like misery out there or why, like why we're doing what we're doing, basically. Why am I going out every day trying to talk to people that maybe some of them don't want to hear, like you're saying, right? So I shouldn't become angry. I should remember that people are actually suffering and they're like really um, just going, going, going on autopilot in their life. And so, yeah, we need to try to take it on ourselves like how can I be better at connecting with people instead of thinking like oh there's you know something wrong with others but that can be hard I feel like you have to you have to work as a Sankirtan devotee because that's that false ego right 
Mm. So yeah, it's very purifying service. (laughs) I think that's a really good point that you're making about how when you're really connected to the the compassionate Mm. aspect that it allows you to take the rejection in a Mm. way where you can see where it's coming from in them so that you don't feel it bogging you down. And also when you're connected to that compassionate aspect, I think it naturally really helps you to hit those goals as well. Because Mm -hmm. when you're really keeping in mind, like I'm actually out here, you know, for you, I'm out here, not for my goal. I'm not here to become a great Sankirtan devotee. I'm not here to become like some famous person who did like a thousand books in a day, but like, (laughs) I'm here because I genuinely understand at least that like you're suffering um being separate from krishna and having had the mercy of yashila Prabhupada and in his the form of his books and the association of his disciples and other devotees i yeah it's like you know you can see like my life has become changed Mm. and my life has become more you know calm and peaceful and Mm. static (laughs) so um you know there's something that I have it's like we have this feeling there's something that I have that I actually it would be selfish for me not to give um and I think if we we can remember um at this stage like I'm reminded of Lord Nityananda um because like he's the embodiment of compassion in the sense that you know when people were slamming their doors on his face and saying like no thanks even though he's God um he was like barging into their house and apparently he would roll on the floor mm-hmm. and break all the furniture is just begging them like please like please chant, chant. yeah and like he was actually like you know begging like crying for them to like just take it just take mm. it but it mm. wasn't for him to say like point you know it was so that he yeah. could actually give what he came to give and assist Lord Chaitanya the way that he had you know been instructed and mm. And, you know, obviously, you know, when are we ever going to be able to awaken our compassion? You know, we'll never be able to have the same compassion as Lord Nityananda Ram. But like at the same, at the same time, if we could even just get a drop of his vision of like, you know, what life mm-hmm. is really like, what spiritual life is really like, and then compare it to spirit, uh, material life, we'll know how much we're suffering. Like, it's like, mm. I think we're so disconnected from how blissful spiritual life is. You know, mm-hmm. we've lost, we've forgotten so much about what our life can be like as eternal beings, you know. In yeah. That, that was, sorry. Yeah, no, go ahead. <laughs> no, no uh, that reminded me of a point, like, um, as we're talking, I'm just reminded of how, yeah, saying Kirtan and book distribution, it definitely smashes the false ego. Because like we're saying, you're not, you get aware of so many things like am I trying to get a book point or am I trying to do something for myself because then the books won't go out so we have to reconnect with compassion yeah and then um the other thing is it um yeah it really automatically like it's so funny all these qualities they automatically become cultivated when we do sing kirtan like humility is the other one I was thinking of when you were describing like about Lord Nityananda and about understanding people's suffering because we also realize, like how you were saying, that we're no different really from the people on the street. That's like you, like we're no different. It's not like I'm so much better than you. It's just basically I got the mercy of a devotee, you know? So the only thing separating you from this spiritual happiness or like you were saying, reflecting on how my life is better now is just basically you getting the mercy. So that's, we're just trying to like, pass that on right so isn't it it's really humbling it's like I'm just like you but somebody gave me mercy so it's yeah I remember um one of the first book partners that I had was Sankirtan Yoga and um who's a wonderful book distributor like legendary and um I remember when I was out with her (laughs) I think she was like 17 years old or something and or like you know 18 19 and um I was so envious because I was like everyone she everyone she like tries to talk to like almost everyone stops and then I just asked her because I was like I was at that stage where I was pretty new to the service and um you know I was just kind of timidly going out to people like excuse me like you know I don't want to interrupt your life but I've kind of got 
<laughs> this transcendental knowledge. And, um, <laughs> and I remember like the thing that she told me actually at that time must've been like 10 years ago. And she was like, don't be afraid to be desperate. Mm. Which was something that I actually at that time um, helped me, but that I think I took from that moment on, on like almost every time I went on on books mm. was that I think what was holding me back the most in the beginning and what really accelerated me like as it continued was this like fear of looking desperate or looking mm. like I, I looking like I really, you know, want to talk to people. And, and I think that the thing that came out, like when you churn it and you experience it is what really came out was that, um, if you look desperate, then there's also a bigger reaction often from the person to like re when in terms of rejection. So for instance, like if you smallly, you know, in a small way approach them, then it's only a really a small rejection, mm. but if you like beg them <laughs> or like, you're like, excuse me, I'd like really like to talk to you. And you're like very direct and very present and very intent, mm. then it can feel like a bigger rejection. However, what I noticed because Sankirtan is like an absolute and very blessed service to do is that we get so much mercy by being desperate to connect with them yes. for Krishna. So yeah. what I felt at those times when I was really actually not being afraid of putting myself out there was that somehow or other by Krishna, like Krishna would arrange like for me to get this mercy, which protected me from feeling rejected. And instead I would just get these like crazy ecstatic feelings where I was just like, the desperation is actually ecstatic. Like it's, it's, it's so much fun <laughs> mm. to be desperate for like to connect with these people for Krishna. And, um, yes. you like, actually realize, we realize like the philosophy on the street, like you were saying about that. Sorry, go on. I just wanted to no, like, that was it. Yeah. I just remember mm. these like, this really amazing inundation, like, I think, you know, unless, and, and I think this applies to any service, whether you're cooking or whether you're cleaning or doing books or anything, but like, the more you just like do it with intensity, and, like, yeah, like you just, you're like, I'm going to, I'm going to do this the best I possibly can. <laughs> like whatever yeah. service that is, like Krishna's like, he's like, send, send the spiritual energy. Like this one is like, you know, mm. a live, a live wire. And you just yeah. automatically start getting empowered by just, yeah, I guess dropping this fear of, you know, mm -hmm. looking, looking crazy or looking, yeah, desperate or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that like on that, it, two things come to mind. One is like, we might be afraid to put our heart into the service because like for books, for example, because we might, we're afraid that it's going to hurt if we get rejected, yeah. like you said, if I approach it in a small way, I won't get, I'll get, my hurt will be small. But if I approach it in a big way, if I put my whole heart into it, then I'll really feel hurt if this person doesn't take. But so one thing to remember, as you know, like when doing book distribution and when somebody says no, you just remember that they're not rejecting me as a person. They're just not ready for Krishna's message at this time but mm -hmm. they still interacted with me. They've heard about the book. They've seen the Bhagavad Gita. They've even held the Bhagavad Gita or whatever. So they've yeah. made spiritual advancement. And then through that detachment, like realizing it's not, it's not me, right? That's the whole like, cause we think I'm the center of the universe. Everything is about yeah. me. So this yeah. person is rejecting me, but they're not. So that's how um, Sankirtan helps us to get detached from false ego. So they're not ready for it yet, but I've still helped them even though they've yeah. not taken the book, you know? So, totally. yeah. Um, I was out on books with my Rita over this last, um, December marathon and she's got a really nice mood when it comes to this like rejection thing. Mm. She was saying to me, um, that, uh, um, every time somebody says no, like they are closer to saying yes and she's closer to someone else saying yes. So like, as you continue on your service, the more no's you get, the more closer you are to someone saying yes. And then yeah. if that, even for that person, um, I think that a lot of devotees, they're sort of like, when someone says no, they're like, okay, maybe in your next life. But like, she was like, she doesn't take it like that at all. She's like, maybe when they come back out of the store, like, so mm -hmm. they go into the store 
And then they come back out and she's like, I'm here again. And she's just trying to quicken up that process. Like how many different points of contact with a devotee do you need to have before you have enough like a Sukriti to like actually get this book. So she's like, just trying to quicken up the process. That's amazing. Yeah. (laughs) It was really cool. I really liked her, her view on it. And it made their whole rejection thing like a lot more philosophical. Yeah. And it's almost like it's a bit of a, can be a bit of a game too. Like I think Vaisheshika Prabhu says, try to get 10 no's to try to get 10 no's, you know, because we always think, I don't want to get a no. I don't want to get a no, but you're going to get no's. So, and you'll realize that you actually, you'll see that you actually won't get up to 10 because like you said, someone eventually says, yes, it's just a matter of numbers. And I also liked your point about, um, how Krishna reciprocates with us. Like you were talking about how you felt that spiritual protection when you put your heart into it. So yeah, that's another thing that's amazing about book distribution because all services are absolute. Like we know that when you put your heart in it, Krishna reciprocates, but you can, I feel that you can really experience directly Krishna's reciprocation on books, whether you do a lot of books or a little, but if you put your heart into it and you strongly desire and you pray and you call out, then little things happen. That's where all those nectar stories come in, right? Little things happen where you can just see Krishna's hand in it. And then our faith in Krishna and the whole process of Krishna consciousness just grows. So that's why I think it's a really amazing service as well, because it's so experiential. You can actually see Krishna's reciprocation with our desire. <laughs> so. On on that note, um, just once wondering, like, when did your heart sort of become captivated by distributing books? And like, was there a memorable moment or was it like a slow build? <laughs> Um, I'm still waiting for that moment when I'm fully captured. Um, I think that it was a slow build because it was the association of the devotees that like, I just kept going out, but there was one experience that I had or like a set of experience where, um, basically when I was living in the ashram and I would have, as we know, as we call it, like a mental moment, like when you feel that your emotions are out of control or your, you know, your mind is just agitated Mm. and you feel really dissatisfied. I just had this experience over and over again where whenever I felt like that, if I went on books, I would come back and whatever was irritating me before seemed like such a big deal. It just would be totally irrelevant. So I know it's crazy. <laughs> Do you think that it's because when you go on books, you think about, okay, like here's my problem in an ashram in Krishna consciousness. And then you go out and you like deal with other people's problems on the street. Like I'll take my problem. <laughs> <laughs> like, that. At least I don't have like a drug addiction and I don't know. It's like mm. crazy. Mm. Yeah. yeah that, that's definitely part of it. I think for me, it was just a simple fact of getting out of my own head and actually becoming absorbed in the service. So thinking about, okay, this person is walking towards me. How can I reach out to them? Okay. This person, how can I reach out to them? So literally just getting out of your own head, it just gives you a break from whatever's disturbing you. And then when you come back to it later, you're like, well, actually, you know, it's not like Krishna actually helps you to see it in a different way or you know, you just realize it's actually not that bad, you know, because sometimes emotions just become overwhelming and we have no way to kind of take a break from it. But by engaging in that service, you can just get out of your head. doesn't mean that we should bypass things because I think that that can also be something that we can run into um, in all services, but just not dealing with ourselves and just doing service, service, service to distract, but not actually dealing with what's coming up. So we do have to deal with what's coming up, but at the same time, we can see it from a more Krishna conscious perspective. perspective. Yeah. Yeah. After, after just engaging that service. So however, like my one advice would be to anyone who's in the service is that however mental you feel, whether you feel like it or don't feel like it, those days when you don't feel like it, go like, make sure you go out on those days. Cause then you'll notice that, um, equanimity that whether you feel like it or don't feel like it by going out on books you just become more steady mentally Mm, so yeah um you had there's like so many jewels in what you just said (laughs) i don't even know which one to like pick up on i'm just like oh (laughs) um 
Just such an amazing point. You know, I love that you just talked about bypassing. Um, I mean, I actually think that's quite a deep subject matter um, in terms of like, you know, how we practice our spiritual life and how we sort of use service. It's like service means <laughs> being used. Yes, <laughs> and yes. I think sometimes we can like use service as like, you know, even a distraction when it actually should be the thing that you're actually um it's centering your life on rather than, you know, and, um, yeah, I found it really amazing because it's sort of going from an egocentristic point of view when you're sitting in your room or wherever you are and mentaling out, um, to, you know, basically remembering your constitutional position as a servant of Krishna and then putting those things into perspective, like, okay, I'm a servant of Krishna, which means that, um, you know, when I serve Krishna and more or less try to please Krishna, then I'm automatically pleased. There's always the like famous example of watering the root of a tree and like how all branches are, you know, flourish and all mm. leaves grow from watering the root. So it's sort of that for me, like I always thought about my service in that way. Like I have these problems or I have you know, this mental issue or have, you know, these unsolved mysteries <laughs> in my life, but, yeah. um, but, you know, by, by continuing to, I guess, form my relationship with Krishna through this service, I, I sort of can overcome uh, that feeling that these problems are overwhelming because nothing is overwhelming yes. when you feel like your friend is Krishna. Like, exactly. what problem can't you go through when you have Krishna as your friend? <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. yeah and by being a friend of Krishna, you can often, like, by being a friend through serving Krishna, you can often feel like, you know, you're investing in that relationship in terms of the reciprocal nature of relationships. And, you know, like, you know, if I continue doing this, despite my issues, Krishna will help me with my issues too. And yeah. it's not like a business deal. It's, it's just the nature of relationships are reciprocal. So the more yeah, we, cause we're praying the more to we get invest. purified. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. The more we invest. Yeah, just the more we invest in any relationship, like if I invest in my relationship with you as my friend, you know, when I'm in trouble, I will probably call you, but it's not because like it's a business deal, you know, no, it's because it's, natural. You're, it's a close relationship. You can take, you can depend. So similarly, like, you know, we're, we all have struggles or mental issues, um, you know, throughout our lives in different forms. But um, if Krishna is our friend, then we'll learn to depend on him you know, exactly. and yeah, part of that dependence is through our service, like kind of the way you brilliantly exemplified through that point that whether I'm mental or not mental, it's like this, this service will help me become mentally stable mm -hmm. because, um, because it actually is my constitutional position. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then, so like, we don't identify with the problems anymore because <clears throat> like you're saying, when we develop that through service and okay, this is my constitutional position. I have these problems but I'm not just these problems. Like if we don't yeah. have, if we forget our relationship with Krishna, then just think I'm just all these problems or I'm just this trauma or I'm just this problem. But then, you know, that's why they become smaller. Cause it's like, no, I'm actually Krishna's part and parcel. This is, you know, um, my purpose in life is to serve Krishna and love Krishna. And there's these little things that I just need to, you know, work out. And like you said, Krishna, as my friend, he'll help me. So yeah, it's so amazing. Actually, it's amazing talking to you about this because it's almost like it helps us to process more even um, why we do what we, why we engage in that service and the importance of the service and how deep it actually is. Because sometimes you can just forget I think like Deva Marita Maharaj, he says, when you're out on Sankirtan, you should actually pray to Krishna, like, please show me what's actually going on on Sankirtan. Because sometimes even we ourselves can feel like it's mechanical, right? But yeah. even just discussing with devotees, like how it we're discussing. The yeah, then it brings mm -hmm. all those deeper aspects to light. So thank you so much for this combo. This so thank nice. you. Um, so I, I guess you kind of answered my next question, which is sort of like, what keeps you steady in your efforts? Because you were saying that, I guess, one part of steadiness is that you try to do it, whether you're sort of um, mm. mental, not mental, you know, yeah. in an ashram, not in an ashram, working, not working. It's like, I think the one reason why I really wanted to interview you is because you've went through a transition. Mm. Um, 
in life, like I think transitions are a time when devotees get the most rocked. So, um, myself included. Um, so, uh, yeah. in terms of like, you know, going from the ladies ashram and sort of living like a brahmacharini lifestyle, um, then, you know, starting to work and prepare yourself to live in like an independent ashram and then getting married yeah. and being a grihasta. And I know like, you know, even throughout, you know, your engagement period and, you know, probably days before your wedding, you're out on the street. <laughs> So I was just thinking like, Aww. you know, obviously what keeps you steady, you know, you answered one aspect of it, which is like, you know, you don't take your mind so seriously. You try to get out regardless of how you're feeling, which I think is like definitely harder to send than done. Like, so I'm kind mm. of just wondering, like, you know, not everybody has that, like, where are you getting that strength? <laughs> I, I was just thinking as you were talking, for me, I actually like depend a lot on routines. So like, I would just, um, the way I would answer that question, unfortunately, I don't have like a deep philosophical reason. I wish that I did, but I just like, I need to schedule myself. Like if I say, okay, I'm going to commit to going out, even if like, okay, I wish I could go out on books every day, but I can't because for whatever reason, um, if I'm saying, okay, I'm going to go out two days, like I'm going to commit to going out Tuesday and Thursday. Then I just try to stick to that. And I really experienced that. Like, so for me, it's just scheduling and just sticking with a schedule. I don't know if it's a personal thing for me, routines really work and they help me and schedules really help me. Um, yeah. And maybe that also helps people just in general, but I know for I me, also, it's quite important. I also noticed that, um, kind of like you know, in your beginning, when you first started going out on books, it seems like you were sort of going out on books when the devotees were going out on books. But when did the transition for you happen where you'd actually start scheduling it and going whether or not you're going alone or going with others? That's a good question. So I'm thinking of like practically what I just, the transition, like you mentioned that I've just gone through. So I think that when you go out on books um, for an intense period of time over some time, then you develop some taste for it. So then when you go through a period in your life, when you don't have the opportunity or that easy access to go out on books every day with devotees who are kind of like arranging everything for you, packing the books, driving you to the spot, arranging the spot, then you just yeah. get plopped in the spot and you just, you know, have fun. <laughs> All right, so, go. <laughs> yeah. So that's very fortunate. Yeah. But yeah, we go, we are growing, you know, as people and in Krishna consciousness. So yeah, like I moved to a new country, a new city, um, didn't know any of the devotees. And it was also like just coming out of lockdown. So people weren't really going out. Mm. Um, but there was one devotee who was going out. She was a Grihasta. Um, yeah, very special devotee because she was actually going out on a solo and I have so much respect for people that go out on their own because it does take a lot of strength and willpower for me it's I quite like to have like a partner or someone to go with because then I feel like accountable as well like um for example yeah you know when you're suddenly into a new place it's hard to get into routine so sometimes I would be like oh I just can't make it out on books but I had set an appointment with her to meet her at a specific time so I felt like I can't disappoint her. Like she's already on her way and I yeah. need to go. It helps. It definitely <laughs> so helps. It sounds like such otherwise a it's the appointments just with yourself and it's like a little easier to dump yourself. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, so it sounds like a practical thing. Like I'm saying such obvious things, but it's amazing. No, I don't, I think that sometimes like these, these they practical help. points are the most, yeah, most effective yeah. sharing. So please, yeah. Yeah, please continue. So I just remembered telling her how grateful I was because I would come there and be like, oh my gosh, you know, I was just feeling like I wasn't even going to be able to go out on books today, but because I was coming to meet you, then I, I came. So yeah, book distribution is very much also our relationship with devotees. Sometimes, I mean, um, like I said, if you go out solo, then you need to be a bit more disciplined with yourself and set a goal. But um, it's amazing how doing books is an outreach service but it so much also depends on our relationship with the other devotees that we're going with you know how we can reciprocate with those devotees or have relationships with them and that kind of like fuels our book distribution and helps us to keep going and stay in I mean 
on that note, like there have been a few times where I've been so excited to go out on books and, you know, like, you know, you know, eating really quick and then just like, heading out the door with my book bag and like, you know, hopping in the car. <laughs> and then like, you know, I think we have to be really careful. I mean, I would say myself included, I'm sure I've done this to other people, but you know, sometimes we can be so intense about like mm. doing our service and being really rigid and being really organized that mm. we can stop treating each other with like a basic amount of like either respect or love. And, um, I just yeah. remember there've been a few times where I've been like deflated by like the opposite where I, mm. I went out and I'd be like, get in the car. like I want to come like I'll yeah I'll stay out all day but like it's sort of like but I just can we just have a nice mood <laughs> yeah. like we're trying to like get other people to come and spend time with us and we don't even want to be around each other now <laughs> <clears throat> that is such an important point that's so important and I've I was thinking about this recently or I was talking with a devotee about trying to understand like there is this fine balance in book distribution between um it's an individual service because you need to mentally get absorbed in what you're doing. Right. Mm. But then it's also a group service too, when you're going with other devotees. So like you said, it's, uh, yeah, we have to try to find that balance with, okay, I'm focusing on my service and I have my own mood, right. In doing books, maybe like you go out with two other devotees, but they're totally different in how they approach the service. So we have our own mood, but yeah, also just maintaining camaraderie. Cause, um, on that point I've, I've noticed uh, like in my experience, if I have kind of a, like we've talked about this before, I think this is a common thing that um, if you have a negative experience with a devotee and then you try to distribute books, it just doesn't, doesn't go, go out. Doesn't go. Yeah. So <laughs> Krishna really likes cooperation. <laughs> yeah, he does. <laughs> <laughs> Loves it. Yeah. The I think that, that when, and when I read that part of the Bhagavatam about the cooperation of the Prachetas, like that was a specific thing. Like they had been like underwater for like 10,000 years. <laughs> and like, you'd think like, wow, like he was impressed by their austerity. He was like, no, I was impressed that you guys actually just like, you know, cooperated. <laughs> you didn't kill each other down there. You were friends <laughs> yeah. the whole time. That's amazing. <laughs> each other. Yeah. So oh my important. God. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Um, so, and can I just add one more point? Cause this is actually coming from my experience with you is that we need to also take care of each other after book distributions. I remember one thing that I really appreciated about, I think one of my first marathons was with you and, um, a couple other devotees, but when we came back from saying Kirtan, you were like, okay, now you need to like self-care, you know, like, mm-hmm. you know, relax and like, sleep properly, actually like, um, listen to a lecture, read. So those kind of things also devotees can help you to do, you know, when you're in the association of devotees or, yeah. yeah. I think that one of my favorite experiences, um, on like December marathons, especially when we are in colder countries, like right now, I mean, we can't really (laughs) complain. We're in New Zealand when we go out on December marathon, which means it's like summertime. Um, but, uh, Gita Govinda and I, we've um, been out on books, you know, in December in Canada, which is the complete opposite. I think it's been like, you know, negative 20, negative 30 degrees. And we would go out, distribute a book, come back in and warm up our hands, go outside, distribute a book. (laughs) So cold. Um, But yeah, uh, on that note, like just about, yeah, taking care. I, I think, I mean, again, in New Zealand, it's like, you know, it's not, I mean, there is the sun. It's like exhausting. You do need to rest. You need to get some shade, (laughs) hydrate, but like, yeah, I do remember in Canada, um, you know, getting home, people be cold, um, you know, take a warm shower, you know, uh, I would, yeah, I think heat up some milk, like him some milk or something and (coughs) make some popcorn on the stove and sit around, like, let's read Krishna book together. And yeah, just do something that's like, you know, calm, uh, I think that nourishing. One, yeah, nourishing and, and joyful. I think you need to like mm. come home and feel like you won, won a war in a way. Um, but, uh, especially on marathons where you've been out for, you know, like the whole day. Mm. Um, but, 
Yeah, it's crazy. Um, I'm just going to go back because I, I was going to keep going on that note, but I feel like there's got to be some more nectar here that I wrote down to ask you. Um, I guess, um, yeah, around taking care of yourself um, and taking care of your relationships. I think maybe that's something we could dive into um, because you were talking before about this like bypassing syndrome of like, you know, I'll, I'll just focus on all my services. And then just by doing that, you know, the watering the root and everything else will be taken care of. But I think Krishna really does appreciate, you know, it's like God helps those who help themselves. So um, yeah. And your experience of like, you know, taking care of yourself, you know, taking care of your life and, you know, balancing things. Um, yeah. What has been, you know, something that's been helpful for you in um, mm. taking care of yourself or not bypassing or did you ever notice a time where you're like, oh, I am actually bypassing. Like, <laughs> I, I actually have things I need to do. I'm ignoring them. Like I remember for me, um, I was uh, just to give you an example. Um, mm-hmm. I remember for me, like I was sort of um, at the stage where I, I think I was ready to get married and um, I was already in New Zealand and uh in terms of the ashram, like when you're preparing to get married or, you know, already in a, a situation where you're associating with somebody and yeah, ready to do that. Um, I noticed like it was really hard for me to continue to do all the services that I was doing before. And I kind of had to take myself off the roster and, and reorganize my life. And I started working and, um, yeah, like saving a bit and yeah, because there's this practicalities around living on your own. Um, yeah, with like taking care of your finances and everything. And it was hard for me to do that. But at the same time, I noticed that as soon as I started doing it, actually, for some reason, like I actually felt more inspired to chant. I felt more inspired to read. Like all of my spiritual life seemed like to start growing again because I had just started taking care of some of the things that were like on the back burner that I was yeah. sort of like, oh, Krishna will have someone knock on the door and they'll be like, do you need a job? Or like Krishna will like, yeah. you know, bring money from the sky if I need it. Krishna will like, you know, tell, you know, my family what I need to say to them. Or I don't know. It's like mm. all the different things that you sort of had on, on the back burner that you really wanted to deal with but that you were yeah. sort of relying on Krishna to deal with. It seems like it's for me, at least like as soon as I started dealing with them myself, he helped, he helped, but like I had to go outside and, you know, apply for the job. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So I guess, um, yeah. That's a good you- point that you're bringing up. Um, because yeah, a few things come to mind, but just before I forget, I'll say the, the last one is that, um, sometimes I think it can be hard for devotees, especially grow up in an ashram environment and are doing, Uh, service quite intensely like book distribution or any service and then to transition out of that it can be difficult but there so one thing to keep in mind is that there are so many styles to do book distribution there's so many ways and styles lifestyles to do book distribution not just one way but at first it can seem like you know oh I have a schedule and this you know I do book distribution every day and I can't stop that and um but the bypassing thing like you're bringing up uh, we have to deal with ourselves. That's what I realized. We actually have to, because those things will come back up. It's not, um, it's not that we can ignore them, right? It's just that, um, we actually need to work on them for the Anartha Navritti stage so that once we pass through the Anartha Navritti stage, then we get Nishta, then we get into steadiness. So we can't, you know, we have to deal with that. So, um, Yeah. So I think sometimes like how you described, it involves a lifestyle change because if we are not in a situation where we feel grounded or settled, then it actually, yeah, affects our service and our service attitude. I think it affects the service attitude more than the service because I was thinking about like, yeah, you can just continue doing the service, but is your heart really into it or, you know, do you still have good relationships with devotees or are you so agitated that all those things are kind of suffering? So yeah, I just learned that through that, that taking care of myself is also taking care of Krishna's service is Krishna's service. So it might involve like a period of time where, yeah, we just need to adjust that I'm, you know, 
the Krishna Loka once told me once a book distributor, always a book distributor. So it's not like you're going to stop being a book distributor if you um, just adjust your lifestyle for a temporary period of time. And, you know, if you need to work full time, um, it doesn't mean that you're like never going to distribute books again. So another thing that she told me once was that if you're working full time and you can only go out on book distribution like one day a week, but um, that one day a week is actually equal to someone who's not working or who's in like a, a brahmachari scene going out every day because you're using whatever time you have for Krishna's service. So it's absolute, yeah. it's equal, you know? So I think devotees can be, well, yeah, hard speaking for myself, hard on themselves, yeah. And just... Um, that can kind of prevent us from taking the steps that we need to take in order to get a firm grounding in, in devotional service and continue. Because if you think about it, like, I love this service so much, I want to do it for my whole life, right? But how can I situate myself so that I can actually do so it for my can. whole life? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right? So that you, like, you don't become so fried out that you leave and then you're not yeah. doing any service. <laughs> exactly, yeah. It takes maturity and it takes, like, yeah, good guidance and, like, maturity to get through that transition um I think we're almost at time but I have okay. a, a rapid um fire of questions <laughs> I think we just are like maybe um one one word answers or maybe yeah um okay yeah first thing that comes to my mind blue <laughs> yeah I guess I think so I think that's how it works um so um if there was one person um past present or future <laughs> You would want to distribute a Gita to. Oh, <gasps> there would it be? So many and how would you do it? Oh, um, well, I'm in the UK right now, so Boris Johnson. No, that's such a bad <laughs> answer. Um, <laughs> there is I someone like. Who would I want to distribute a Gita to? You always want to distribute it to someone who's like in a powerful position, right? Or someone who's like in a leadership position, because then if they get the Gita and actually take to Krishna consciousness, they can have so much effect. Mm -hmm. So I can't think of a name right now, but somebody in a leadership position, how would I do it? I should do like how your husband did. He somehow oh gave the, <laughs> the Gita to prime, the prime minister. So how did yeah. he do it? You should ask him that. Um, well, he was at... Um, <laughs> A, a business conference for like I think New Zealand businesses or something and she was giving a speech there and then um, yeah he just told her because she had mentioned Gandhi in her speech so he went mm. out to his car and grabbed the Bhagavad Gita and um, he told her like hey I'll be right back um, I heard you mentioning Gandhi in your speech I, I have a Bhagavad Gita he, he used to read it every day and then he's like so if you want to learn more about you know, the philosophy of Bhagavad Gita and be like, Gandhi should read this book. <laughs> nice. <laughs> he gave it to her. Yeah, but, um, you know, it was in one of those situations which was kind of intense where the bodyguards, like, you know, mm. standing right there, like, you know, being like, she's got to go somewhere. <laughs> um, but yeah. She, and he gave I it for free, actually, right? Yeah. It was That's one thing I heard in a lecture that we should give these books for free to people in power and people in leadership roles. I just read that... Um, <clears throat> It'll do a plug for Watering the Seed by Giriraj Swami Maharaj, but he was just talking about how when he was developing um, that program around life membership in Bombay, um, that he had um, went to like this really um, uh, like high class businessman and he had all of Prabhupada's books and then the businessman, what happened? Um, they, they, a reason why they had went there is because they wanted to actually get them to, to, to give some um, donation for Mayapur. And so they brought all the books, presented the books, and then the businessman said, like, oh, so how much do I owe you for all these books? And he's like, oh, so you need to give a donation for it. And then, because he had already asked for a donation for the books, he couldn't ask for the donation for Mayapur. When he actually went oh. to talk about Mayapur, when he went to talk about Mayapur and getting the donation for that, I think because the man had already given... 
he a said no and also he's like oh well, we're opening up hospitals and stuff like that and Prabhupada had um instructed Giriraj Swami like if you had given him the books as a gift he would have given a large donation for Mayapur so then apparently like 10 years later when he had another opportunity with a similar kind of I think it was the same family but it was like younger generation or something um he gave them the books and then mm. at and then the person was like, well, what can we do for you? Like, and then he was like, oh, well, you know, we're opening temples in Mayapur. Like, maybe you can help with that. And he's like, okay, well, leave these books with me and I'll get my son, my secretary to contact you. And then he gave like a massive donation. So um, mm. it's true. Like, we have to be strategic. We have to use the books as often as gifts so that people actually see like, um, you know, especially people in leadership positions, people who work for governments, like they really but people should be, are always asking them for money. So you don't want to be given. They actually should be given them as gifts in a sense, because they're public servants. And as like, you know, as servants of the public ourselves, as devotees, we should think like, you know, you're in a leadership position and you require this for your job. So as a gift, please take it. And then free when of they charge. Become, free of charge but as you know but then you develop the relationship and the relationship is the most important thing with somebody in such a position mm. yeah you can kind of see that with people who have reached out to like celebrities or really important people like they've always established a relationship with those people you know prior to like you know even with george harrison like is a deep relationship before any you know yeah. question of donation was asked and yeah, that even that's like a really crazy far out story about how he gave all that money for Krishna book to be published. Um, amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but anyway, um, that was amazing. So I'll go. For, this is supposed to be rapid fire. I'm gonna wait. <laughs> wait. So um, next question is: If you had all the resources in the world, how would you like to spread Krishna consciousness? <sighs> wow, you're the queen of the world. <laughs> <laughs> if I had all the resources in the world. Oh, I would do a few things. Well, I would um, introduce it in all the universities as like a a mandatory course. No, as a course that um, people could take in like, (laughs) and yeah. So in the academic institutions, I would like uh, introduce it in um, bridge preaching, like create cafes, um, yeah, like yoga slash meditation centers where people can have a slow introduction to Krishna consciousness. Um, yeah, just kind of travel, travel all around the world and, and just implement that same thing, you know, everywhere. If you had unlimited resources, you could just do that everywhere and unlimited access. Um, then that would be that would be amazing. I'd love to see you as the queen of the world. <laughs> um, one I'd person- introduce it on cruise ships too. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> uh, so much fun. I'd go on one of those cruises. Um, one person, that'd be like a little YouTube do a Hare Krishna mantra like in the sky with an airplane. We can like write it every day. Oh, it goes across the whole world. <laughs> it just keeps circling and then refueling and then recircling. Just yeah. Hare Krishna Maha Mantra, like constantly circling. Everywhere. Or I might just give Bhagavad Gita's to just like everyone in the world for free or something like that. Or get <laughs> but people also need to give a donation for their own spiritual benefit. But yeah, mm. that could be something, you know, giving you get them exact taxes from the citizens for the mm. purpose of spiritual life. Um if uh, one person that you would like to go on Sankirtan with, as a I think a Sankirtan devotee. You Okay, let's go when you get back to New Zealand. Um, no, I all... like with different different types of people because they like people that I haven't gone with before. Because then you learn, right? When you go with someone new, also like you learn different styles, different um, approaches. So yeah, I like to go with anyone and everyone. A seasoned book everyone. distributor and a new book distributor. I really love going out with new people. It's like one of my favorite things. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, all yeah. time. I love it. Um, all-time favorite book to distribute? Oh, Bhagavad Gita, as it is. <laughs> yeah, and I think that and and Krishna book. Because whenever I distribute a Krishna book, then I get really ecstatic because I always think about how Prabhupada said, like, you take one step forward one. in spiritual life. I'm like, great! <laughs> didn't he, didn't she Prabhupada so say that? Didn't he say that, like, if you just read, like, one word of Krishna book, that, like, you'll become a devotee? Yeah, amazing. Like if you read one sentence, so, uh, one word, one syllable, it was, like, 
yeah I was like whoa yes. he just yes. put his whole heart in the Krishna book mm-hmm. um okay with one word <laughs> oh no um I guess I think the question Karanga. is like <laughs> one that could work um one word when you hear um Sankirtan and Prabhupada fire nice <laughs> I think because we were talking about the fire of Sankirtan earlier yeah stay yeah. in the fire stay in or the fire or mercy yeah I'll stick with fire alright Gita Govinda it's been an absolute pleasure oh, um, yeah, me start, too start my day with you and um, speaking about this wonderful subject of Sankirtan I hope that so yeah. many people get to hear um, all your realizations I know that I've learned so much just by talking to you and it's Aww. kind of crazy because you know I would consider you one of my two friends but um, just by talking about this one subject matter for you know a couple mm. you know 40 minutes or so um, yeah I feel like first of all you are a wealth of knowledge and there's like so much more inside of you that I need to like kind of extract. And, um, and secondly, like that it's just an endless subject matter, actually, like, just like, you know, it is Krishna Kata. It's like, Mm. it is like the the pastimes of Krishna happening right now on the planet are these Mm. devotees going out and distributing his books. So thank you so much for doing this service so nicely and for constantly continuing to, um, encourage and inspire me in book distribution and yeah you're my inspiration so yeah Mm -hmm. when I see you out on the streets and doing your service I'm like oh damn I need to go (laughs) get out (laughs) (laughs) anyway so thank you so much um and uh for everybody um I'll be doing these podcasts for Oceania so that's like New Zealand Australia anywhere in the South Pacific I think so um amazing yeah hopefully we can do another one next month stay tuned and um I'll see you again when you get home. You to go, Vinda. See you soon. Can't Safe wait. Hi, Krishna. Thank you again for listening to Sankirtan On. Please feel free to subscribe and share with your friends for regular updates and inspirational stories on how, by giving, we grow. Thank you for sharing this time with us. All glories to Srila Prabhupada.